1110-993 WBT. Pete Callender here, and I want to welcome to the program State Senator Amy Gailey from Alamance County. Welcome, Senator. How are you? Thanks. I'm doing great. I hope you are. I am doing well. I'm doing well. So uh, congratulations on getting the uh, Parents' Bill of Rights through the Senate. Uh, so what do you think the chances are over in the House? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, I was in a busy week, but uh, now the bill has gone over to the House. I'm not sure if the folks in the House are going to file their own bill and tweak it, and then we'll have companion bills and come to some kind of final resolution. Um, there's, you know, they, The House folks want to have their own stamp on it, and I'm sure they have valuable things to offer in the in the space as well. So we'll see what they decide to take up with it. I haven't, I've had some uh, sort of corridor-type conversations on the fly with a couple of House people, but not an in-depth sit-down and hash it out. So we'll see what happens. Yes. Uh, so I listened to the, uh, the debate uh, between you and uh, there were two Democrats that rose to speak in opposition, uh, Senators Grafstein and Meyer. He's now Senator Meyer, um, uh, was a representative, right? Moved on over to the Senate side. But uh, so l- let's go through some of their arguments. And I thought you did a very good job of addressing uh, sort of the big issues um, that uh, I think most people uh, cite or use to attack these types of bills. So first, um, one of the senators, I think it was Grafstein, said that uh, this bill, that you know, legislation should do no harm. That should sort of be the first thing that lawmakers do, do no harm, and that this bill does harm. Uh, it does harm because if a kid can't talk to their parents about their sexual orientation or something like that, uh, they want to be able to talk to a, a school counselor or nurse or teacher or something, then, uh, you know, if they're not allowed to do that, then uh, that's harm and they're going to go and commit suicide. Yeah, so it's been astonishing to me how people have twisted the bill into saying things that it doesn't actually say. One of the things that the bill notes is that teachers should be encouraging children to talk to their parents. And the bill doesn't say that just because a child is you know, shares some kind of questioning with the teacher or some kind of, you know, uncertainty about um, anything having to do with their sexuality, that immediately the teacher has to go to the parents. It doesn't say that at all. It says the teacher has to, or the government employee has to uh, encourage the child to talk to their parents. The only time that the bill would say that the school has to have a policy where the teachers are contacted is if the student makes a request that their name be changed in the official record or a pronoun change. So we're talking about a public statement by the child, an entire community within the school of teachers and administrators and support staff and other students and probably student families, uh, entire network of government created network that is going to conspire to keep the essential truth about a child from his parents. And, that, I think, is what is wrong, and that is what the bill is intended to address. And that is itself harm. You know, we hear about parents who this has been going on for six months or longer, and all of a sudden they find out about it. That does harm to that family unit. If there needs to be a difficult conversation had, it should be happening at home, and the school should be encouraging the student to talk to their parents and go ahead and have it at home. They can support the student through that journey. Nobody's saying that they have to, you know, like essentially lock them in a room together and let them find it out. That's about, you know, no suggestion of that whatsoever. But there needs to be a conversation, and we should not give our teachers and school officials sort of a confidential relationship with children. 
Right. Yeah, you said this during the floor uh, debate as well. I think you said that the confidential relationships don't exist between minors and government employees, state agents. That's right. That's right, 100%. You know, confidential relationships in our culture are very limited circumstances, like between a doctor and a patient. And the reason for that is so the patient can give full information to the doctor so they get the most um, beneficial health care treatment possible between a defense attorney and their client, the defendant. So that the defendant gets the full um, constitutional defense to their charges that they that they should get. So the, essentially, so that the truth wins out in the courtroom. Those are really strong cultural social principles. There's no no similar thing for teachers and children. Minor children do not need to be protected from their parents. Right, and if they do, then you're as a teacher, you're a mandated. Reporter, you, you're. That's right. Yeah, if there's abuse happening, you you're required to report that abuse. That's right. You're a, you're a required reporter. You have to report abuse. There's also a um, caveat in the bill that if a reasonable person would think that it's likely that disclosure would lead to the child becoming an abused or neglected child, then that person has the discretion to um to not have to disclose the information. Does, way, but they still need to encourage the child to talk to their parents. Right. Does um, does this bill help to unwind what Charlotte Mecklenburg schools, for example, I don't know if you know all the details. I don't know all the details, but they create, you know, these sort of workarounds in order to to keep doing what they want to keep doing. That is the part of the intention of the bill is that local school systems will not be able to just go rogue and teach children stuff that's not part of the curriculum, right? It's not gender identity is not part of the curriculum. There's no standard in the state of North Carolina that I'm aware of that is part of the curriculum where children are supposed to learn about these things. So, um, yes, I'm I'm not terribly familiar with what's been going on in Charlotte either, um, but this would be a way to um, rein in some of that. Yeah. What of the argument, I've heard this too, um, that, uh, well, look, it's just, you know, uh, uh, you're saying that a, a, a book on the shelf in the library that depicts somebody uh, like a family with two dads, that that's banned. And now a kid in, you know, uh, what, uh, K through four, I guess, they couldn't see that book because it simply has a gay couple in it. And that's now banned. Is that is that accurate? That is what people say, but that is not what the bill does. The bill says that the school cannot instruct on sexual activity or sexuality or gender um, issues for K through four. So with the children come from all the different kinds of homes, and we want all the children to feel welcome and able to talk about their families while they're at school. Everybody wants that. So if you have a child that comes from a gay couple, say they have two dads, then they... There's nothing wrong with having a book in the school library that explains how, you know, you can have two penguins that are male and they have an egg and there's a family there. That's part, you know, that's part of that child's life. We don't need books that instruct on how that actually, what happens with those two penguins. <laughs> right. Uh, alone. How they got the egg. Yeah. <laughs> Little children don't need to learn that. Five-year-olds don't need to learn about gender identity issues. They need to learn how to use scissors, how to write their name, the alphabet. They need to learn how to tell time. What's the difference between your right hand and your left hand? They need to learn things like that. They don't need to be pulled into these complicated adult 
uh, questions about gender identity. All right, but schools are aware our our society transmits its culture, uh, mm-hmm. and so uh, you've got this uh, this these battle lines, and you know as well as I do that uh, people who are of a particular ideology and they are you know on their long march through the institutions that they are going to. It, they're still going to try to advance this stuff through those uh, through those grades, uh, even at those ages. And so what then becomes the course of action for the parents? Exactly. So the, the bill would require them to have policies. The schools should have policies in place. You know, just like if you have a, um, suppose you have a very, very conservative Muslim family that lives in um, Chapel Hill, where, <laughs> you know, Muslims have some really conservative viewpoints. And they don't want their children to be taught certain things. That minor, minority parent, religious minority parent, should have equal ability to send their child to that public school as a liberal person living in Asheville. All the children should feel welcome. And you're right, the, the value transmission to our children, the primary place for that must be in the home. The parents are responsible for that. Um, and so if the, if the parent gets wind of or uh, gets wind of what, what's happening in the classroom or maybe they can't get access to a curriculum or something that, they, that they're that they legally now allowed to have, right? What what, um, what can they do? That's right. Well, the, the education unit is required by the bill to set up policies and procedures where the parent will be able to access the curriculum. The thing that I have seen personally as a parent of school children in North Carolina and heard you know, bleacher conversations at the basketball game, talking to other parents to pick up and drop off from playdates, multiple conversations over the years and years that I've had children in public schools. Parents are not aware of their rights, and if they are aware of their rights, then they don't know how to get the answers they're entitled to um, because a lot of times the school set up a smoke screen or some kind of vague, opaque thing where, you know, I want to see what the curriculum is. Sure, well, come back in three months and... You know, we'll let you look at it in person. Well, nobody's got time to make an appointment to go look at stuff. And, you know, it's, it, they set up these uh, bureaucratic roadblocks mm. for people. So the bill would require, at least if there's going to be bureaucratic roadblocks, let us know what they are in writing so we can figure out how to get around them and get the information that we're entitled to. Oh, that sounds divisive. Now I know why it got labeled divisive. That's... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, hey, uh, Senator, thanks so much for your time today. I do appreciate it. Thanks for your work on the bill. Uh, it's Senator Amy Gailey from Alamance County, and I uh, look to have you back on the program sometime. Great. Thank you very much for having me. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Take care. That's Senator Amy Gailey. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Thanks again to Senator Gailey. Um, known as the Parents' Bill of Rights... Andrew Dunn describes the meaty piece of legislation would fundamentally change the dynamic between parents, children, and North Carolina's public school system in a good way. It's similar to a bill passed by the state Senate last year, but it uh, significantly improved in a couple of areas. And you can basically break it down into four areas, he says, four buckets, reaffirming established practices and law. So reaffirming it's already this stuff's already on the books. You heard some of that criticism against the bill. Why do we need this? We already have it. So it reaffirms, it clarifies the interpretation of existing law, he says. So people are like, well, what does this mean? Okay, this is what it means. 
It does create new rights, and it changes how schools handle issues of gender and sexuality. I'll go into this stuff more in depth. Let me get Kimberly on first. Hello, Kimberly. Welcome to the program. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. I, I was just um, wanting to ask, what is, I, I saw that the, or I read that the, all of the Democrats voted against this. Yeah. So I'm just curious what their, what, what stance do they, I mean, why are they taking a legitimate stance against this? When there's, they're either just reaffirming the law, clarifying the law, or, I mean, there should be no reason to talk about this stuff to someone that, some child that's in fourth grade or under. I mean, there's just no legitimate reason for that. Okay. Right. So the, so if I were to give them the benefit of the doubt, I give them, you know, if I, to be charitable here, uh, I'll say that they are worried that if, um, if a school tells a parent, that their child is, you know, uh, wanting new pronouns and identifying as the opposite gender or whatever, um, that the parent is going to go and uh, beat the kid up. And they're going to try to prevent the kid from transitioning. They won't be supportive. They, uh, were not, they will not help them get gender, quote, of affirmation or gender affirmative uh, health care, which, by the way, it's not gen- that's not gender affirmation. It's actually gender uh flipping right i mean it's like you're you're changing yeah. it but whatever so it's not affirmation but the uh, th- that's that's their if i'm being charitable and and take them at their word that's what they fear they fear that you know this this is a safe place they've got teachers and counselors who will affirm them and will be a safe haven when the kids can't talk to their parents because they're afraid to talk to their parents so that's well, well first of all those kids haven't even reached puberty yet. Correct. There is no legitimate reason for them to be talking about that with those children when they haven't even reached the age where they're even considering having sex or anything else. Mhm. Right. Well I mean, yeah, so that's the no reason. That's the so these are the arguments and I've got the audio I can play it. The, the, these are the arguments that they put forward and they're 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 arguing different grade levels, you know, and, and different things at different points. And so they say, like, if, like to your point, it's not in the curriculum, right? And so yeah. why should they be teaching it in the first place? And so what this law says is you don't get to teach this because uh, uh, sexuality and, and health uh, uh, health classes and stuff, they that all starts in fifth grade. So you don't get to talk to the kids at these young ages. And so they're like, well, what if they ask questions? Then the parent or the teacher is supposed to say, go talk to your parents. They're not supposed to start talking about, you know, gender orientation and confusing the kids and, and, and start injecting all of this stuff into the classroom. And now some teachers will say, well, then I can't have books in my classroom. I can't, you know, express, I can't show up and I'm, you know, non-binary. And so that means I, I have to, you know, uh, dress up as a, as a binary or as a cis-normative heterosexual or something and they say that they're being targeted for this and denied their existence. No, it's just a non-issue. It shouldn't even be an issue at that point. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't even be discussing it whatsoever. And then the additional thing is the library books. I mean, it's one thing when you have a you know a fairly neutral uh, thing about body parts or something like that. But when they have, uh, they actually have the books. Mm-hmm. You know, talking about cartoons with. Adults with kids having oral sex, I mm-hmm. mean, that should not even be even a, a notion in their, in the, at all, much less be in our library. Right. 
So, well, so like I'm just like I, I'm I am struggling to give you the 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 arguments because I don't find them to, uh, to be persuasive either. Um, yeah. But th- this is this is the stuff they're saying, and if I'm trying to be charitable, like that's what they do. Now, what I believe is that they know full well the role that schools play in our society because they developed that role, right? I mean, the progressive right. movement gave us the modern day K twelve government factory model school. And they are well aware that the schools are used to transmit the values to the next generation. And so they have been working to do so. And they would like the next generation to not have any concepts of male versus female. And there are there being two genders. They want they, they want to deconstruct that idea. And and activists have different reasons for that. Um, but, you know, go if you go up the food chain, basically, towards towards the source, you'll find um that it's generally because it's a deconstruction of the nuclear family. And if you deconstruct the nuclear family, then people turn to uh, government actors, uh, in, and that's how you get power. And that's, I mean, right. on the left, that's the that's sort of what it's about. It's all a power dynamic. Um, I do have a question, though. Maybe, I don't know if you know or not, but, you know, in Ohio, I believe it was, the, there was a, a school board and um, several school Member, um, I guess, uh, employees, you know, teachers and stuff were discussing in a virtual meeting about actually changing the verbiage in the event that the laws changed in Ohio. Hmm. And they literally were talking about changing the verbiage so that it didn't quite fit the same, you know, verbiage, but they were basically discussing the same topics about right. the gender transition and stuff. I didn't know if you were aware if the bill addresses that as an issue or not. So, yeah, that's why I was asking her about the remedies on stuff and, like, what, what are parents' remedies. And there there are remedies spelled out. It just depends on, on what kind of infraction, I guess, uh, you're, you're citing. But you can go all the way up to the State Board of Education. That's part of the process. You can take complaints all the way up to the State Board. Now, I don't know if that's a feasible process. I guess we're going to find out if it passes. But uh, Kimberly, I appreciate the call. Thanks so much. Good chat. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. All right. So the Andrew Dunn writing at com. Andrew Dunn. Uh, He says, uh, first off, uh, the Parents' Bill of Rights reaffirms law. It reiterates longstanding customs and other provisions of law, like parents have a right to enroll their kid in any public or private school they are eligible to attend. Parents have a right to access any of their kids' educational and medical records as required by federal law. Uh, Parents have a right to obtain a medical or religious exemption for school-required vaccines. Parents have a right to withhold consent for sex ed in school. These rights exist, you have them, but schools sometimes hide that from parents. All of these are already spelled out in other state statutes, but the Parents' Bill of Rights brings them all together in one clear document. It clarifies um, other laws. In other cases, it takes a stance on uh, on issues or problems uh, that North Carolina could see if it doesn't address them now. For example, the bill says that 
parents have the right to make medical decisions for their children in North Carolina. And the Democrats would argue, well, of course they do. Nobody is saying otherwise. Well, actually, yes. Yes, some people are saying otherwise. California, for example. California allows the state to take temporary emergency jurisdiction to conduct gender-affirming surgeries. The bill also requires school districts to disclose all physical, mental, and emotional health services that it offers to children and promptly disclose any changes to those services. This is generally spelled out in existing law, but it's unclear, it's hard to find, so here it is. It's clear, it's right there on the page with all of your other rights as a parent. The school has to tell you, right, if if it's providing some sort of physical or mental or emotional health service to your child, you have a right to know that. Again, this doesn't seem very controversial. Um, new rights. The bill also creates new rights that parents have not enjoyed. You'll receive a parent's guide to student achievement, and that includes information that's about the curriculum, about textbooks, and instructional materials that are going to be used. The guide also would include specific information on how parents can participate in their children's education. Specifically, this is how you can participate. Also, uh, the right to trust that state employees will not encourage or force kids to keep things secret from their parents. Amy Gailey talked about this on the Senate floor. I pulled all this audio. I'm probably not even going to get to it. But um, she she made a great point, I thought, of of spelling this out, you don't get to keep secrets about you know, my kid from me. You don't get to do that. You are a government employee. That is not your child. I know you call them all oh, my students or my kids, my children. They're not yours. Bill Malik, county commissioner, former school board member, former teacher, and she, oh, talk about my babies. They're not your babies. Not yours. Somebody else's. Parents have a right to opt their students out of sensitive or inappropriate student information surveys. This got some pushback as well. Well, we just want to, you know, just collect some data. We're just trying to get, you know, survey information. Yeah, okay. Ask the parent first. Like, as a, as a media person, and anybody who works in media knows this to be the case as well, you don't get to go talk to kids. You don't get to shoot video of kids without parental consent. The schools are, should not be any different. And that was at schools, by the way. You, you show up to a school, like you're going to do a story on some you know thing at the school. If you don't have permission slips ahead of time to shoot video or get images and likeness, whatever, of the kids from their parents, you got to shoot feet. you got to shoot feet. That's why when you watch uh, video of schools, you see it also, too, outside with like the school buses you'll see. You ever notice that they blur the shots? Well, blurring the faces is tougher to do from a, yeah, I mean, maybe it's easier now, but back in my day, um, you know, when we were, you know, with the old black and white, no, I'm kidding, we didn't have that. But um, it's harder to blur the faces, it always was, so you just you just kind of sh- you turn the camera lens out of focus. So you can still see it's school buses, and you can still see kids moving around, but they're all blurry, so you can't tell who they are. Or you see the video of all the feet walking down the hallway and the bell ringing and you see all the feet. 
because you can't shoot video of the kids because you don't have the consent of the parent. So why why should I, if I as a media member can't interview your kid and ask them questions without your consent, then why do you think it's okay for the school to ask those kids questions without your consent like that? Um, parents also formally uh, have the right to formally report suspected violations of the law to the principal and then to the State Board of Education if not resolved. Now, here are the changing policies around gender and sexuality. And this is the last category gets the most attention and the most opposition. Number one, prohibition on instruction on gender identity, sexual activity, or sexuality in grades K through 4. The bill specifically allows teachers to respond to student questions on such matters. So this, to me, like you're never going to be able to stop the zealots here. You're never going to be able to stop the zealots from from promoting this stuff to the kids. So you got to talk to your kids about what they're learning in school. You have to. You got to find out. Because, oh, well, I just wore this really crazy shirt or costume or hairdo or whatever. I just hung some banners, and then the kids asked what it was. And, well, you know, they asked what it was. And so next thing, I'm knee-deep in gender queer theory. Like, that's that's how the, that's how you find the opening to drive the truck through, right? Requiring schools to notify parents when a child requests a change to their pronoun. So the parents have to say, or the the school has to say to the parents, hey, uh, your child is now wanting to be called something different in school. You have to tell the parent. And for the people who say, oh, well, we don't want to tell the parents because we're afraid of abuse. Again, you're a required reporter. If you're, and there is a, there is actually an exemption here that if, if it's reasonable for you to believe that that child is going to suffer harm, is going to be abused by the parent, then there is an exemption there. However, um, I am curious, you know, how far that boundary, how far that definition of, um, uh, of reasonable can get you. All right, let me get, uh, I'll get James on real quick. Hello, James. Welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, hey, how are you? Hey. Um, you know, what's being proposed is so common sense, I doubt that it'll ever pass. <laughs> That's possible. Yeah. No, and the House is going to have their own version, I guess. Right. I can remember as a kid on the playground, you know, someone threw out Democrat or Republican, and, and we're a bunch of little kids. And we, What does that mean anyway? So we got back in the classroom, someone raised their hand and asked the teacher, and I, I vividly remember her deferring and saying, that's a question for your mom and dad. And, and that was absolutely the right answer. And I, I'm a gun advocate, but but if a seven year old asked me about the wound characteristics of a hollow point versus a <laughs> full metal jacket and the and the blood loss rates for each one, it's just like I'm not going to answer that. It's not appropriate for a little kid. Right, period. right. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's yeah so hard. Yeah, it's amazing <laughs> that like it's a, I understand when people say, oh, I can't believe they're passing this law, and I I agree. I can't believe they have to pass this law as well. The fact that we have gotten to this point where we have to say you cannot talk with kindergartners about your sexual activity or your preferences, no, it, like it, yeah, this is it's indicative of where we are. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. Thanks, J- man. Thanks, James. Great. Yes, sir. Appreciate the call. Thanks. Um, yeah, I just shake my head. It's just, it's amazing. But this is where the battle lines are. The schools. It's where the culture war is being fought. Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. 
got a couple of emails here. Stan says, One size fits all school system is antiquated and archaic. In an effort to ensure everyone has the opportunity to get an education, figure out the nominal cost of getting a market-based education in every district and then distribute that amount from taxes collected to each parent in the form of something akin to education stamps. And then let all the parents shop for a school that reinforces... Okay, so all of that is vouchers. Right. Uh, This is the only way to fix the problem and could happen if we just had one state legislature pass this into law. As most polls show, it would have overwhelming support within all political and demographic groups. And this way, the legislature wouldn't have to be involved in deciding what your rights are as a parent. Yeah, but this is the problem is that you've got a lot of attachment to this model. There are a lot of people that are still attached to this model. And uh, for nostalgic purposes, for financial purposes, whatever. It's scary. So there are states that are doing it. There's like, uh, I want to say there's probably like three or four of them now. They've gone full voucher. And um, education savings accounts also would be a good idea to, uh, to set up. And then people get to choose. And for the party that's, uh, you know, pro-choice, you would think it would be an easy sell. All right. John says, Pete, the best Facebook meme I saw concerning elementary kids and sexual education. The only thing kids in elementary school need to know about the opposite sex is that they have cooties. That's that's not true. Um, there's no such thing as cooties. All righty. So, but, but you can get the cootie shot. That is, no. Um, let me play a couple of sound bites here. This is, uh, let's see here. This is from Amy uh, Gailey, sponsored the bill. She said, when we have two groups with conflicting and opposite views, but also both have equal rights to access the classroom, then lawmakers have to turn to deeper values to guide them. Deeper values like due process rights. Notification, age-appropriate instruction, and the consent of parents are vital to continue confidence of the public in our government-run public schools. Parents are the primary decision-makers with respect to their minor children, not their school or even the children themselves. Parental rights are most important in matters of medical and health-related decisions. All right, so next up here, I'm just going to play one quick uh, part of her speech. Lisa Grafstein, and uh, she is, uh, well, I don't know. here. Well, yeah, she, well, I don't know. She, I don't know what, because she said, L, she said, I'm the only member that's LGBTQ. So I don't know. Okay. But she said she came out in the 1980s and that she genuinely thought that something was wrong with her. Um, and even though um, I've, you know, grown over the years and had the opportunity to, really come to, as most of us do through adulthood, learn a lot more about who we are and and our place in the world. It was a real and persistent feeling in my youth uh, over the course of time. And then my high school drama teacher, because I was a drama nerd, my high school school drama teacher wrote four words in in my yearbook. He wrote, dare to be different. And that small gesture has really stuck with me all these years. All right, so what did she say, though, in, in the beginning? She said she came out and she was really struggling, but she said she has grown over the years and, you know, that allowed her to, to learn more about who, who she is and, and her place in the world and all that. This is the, this is the core difference, though, between 
the transgender issue and LGB issues in that gender affirmation, gender affirming care and the like, those are lifelong decisions, permanent repercussions, can never take it back, can never go back, right? Once you start down that path, can't go back. So you don't get to grow over the years to come to learn more about who you are and your place in it. You decide sometime early on. Hence the need for the Parental Bill of Rights. All right, we'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.